Hello there, I'm Brian Taylor. Down the years, you may have seen me on the telly or heard me on the wireless, but this is different. This is the Brian Taylor podcast brought to you by The Herald. Today. There's, there's nothing that is going coming down in price pretty much that people need to live their lives. Energy is going up. We don't even know by how much. Fuel prices, if you run a car, public transport prices are going up, not coming down. Of course we need to support business, of course. But the more important thing is making sure the most vulnerable in societies are protected this month. It's ludicrous to to bemoan Brexit and then support Scottish independence. The two just do not correlate. Hi, hello there. I'm Brian Taylor. Very warm welcome to my latest Herald podcast. So, Christmas. Already yet? I know it's daft, isn't it? But apparently, apparently we should be preparing a plan for our Christmas gift shopping. Not that you understand that there's any need to panic whatsoever about shortages in the shops. It's just one of the one of the economic messages to emerge this week today. There's a report from the Scottish Chambers of Commerce. It's got decidedly mixed messages on the economy. There's some immediate optimism, but there's mid to long term concerns. Now, today we'll look at that. I will also look at the Northern Ireland protocol, the attempts to to change it, the attempts to reform it. Will they work? Will they go far enough? My guest today, three MSPs, delighted to welcome Paul McLennan of the SNP, Morris Golden from the Conservatives and Pauline McNeil from Labour. I'll be talking to them very shortly. But first, joined by David Ball from the Herald. David, remind us of those as I said, mixed messages. Yeah, as you mentioned, Brian, there's a new report from the Scottish Chambers of Commerce um, released today, uh, which indicated the economy did bounce back pretty strongly over the summer um, as the sort of the more severe restrictions were lifted, which is obviously good news for businesses. Not all sectors have experienced this. Obviously, tourism um, and some sort of hospitality business are still sort of stuttering. But that that is um, good news, largely. However, there's huge concerns raised by businesses in all sectors over sort of soaring costs inflation and the sort of labor pressures um huge cost increases of sort of raw materials obviously we know about the wholesale gas um prices which doesn't seem to have been resolved um, and huge in shi- uh, inflated shipping costs um are also sort of wrecking that business confidence um tourism yes. manufacturing and construction sectors are all facing labor shortages plus there's the high profile hgv shortages which are still ongoing um and in uh, social care, the workforce, there's still sort of huge uh, job vacancies. And these things are being exacerbated by sort of the impacts of Brexit. And it means like we could be heading for quite um, quite a dismal looking sort of winter period, which doesn't sound particularly festive at the moment. Yeah. No, David, thanks very much. Morris Golden, Morris, uh, th- thanks very much for joining us. I mean, grounds for optimism on, in a turnaround from the the situation that we faced during the, the pandemic, but it, it doesn't sound very upbeat. Look, frankly, in the economy, the real economy, well, it doesn't feel I, I mean, I really welcome the fact that the, the bounce back in the economy is, is happening. We saw that from the Chamber of Commerce r- report. But in the longer term, there's some major structural issues in the economy which need to be addressed. As we've heard from David, you know, rising costs of energy, of raw materials, of shipping and and global supply chain and an expected inflation rate, at least in the short term, in the next few months of around 4% and the impact of that on both consumption Uh and indeed wages. Um, I think ultimately that the long-term solution is to move to a a circular economy where we have resources uh, circulating around the economy in as high value state for as long as possible. That wouldn't alleviate every single problem, but it would help 
Explain what you mean. What do you, what do you mean by that? And I so, know you're a fan um, of that, but explain in terms what you mean of uh, material consumption, we would increasingly uh, reuse or repurpose. Uh, products, which would mean that we wouldn't be so reliant on importing right. raw materials, for example. So things like everything from mobile phones to TVs to electronic goods, you know, there's more gold than one ton of waste electricals that currently goes to scrap than there is of uh, ore in the ground. So there's there's value there. We just need to do a lot better at recovering it. Okay, okay. Pauline McNeil, um, do you feel upbeat? Do you feel concerned? Do you feel feel fretful? How, how should we be feeling about the economy, do you think? So similarly to, to Morris, you can see that, in fact, the face of Allender had said that we expect to return to pre-pandemic economic levels um, this coming April. So that looks good. But the threat of high inflation is what's going to likely derail the economy. And it doesn't take a politician or an expert to see that already uh, food prices are rising. We already know that yes. energy prices are going to rise. It's a real worry, I think, for ordinary families. Um, so this coming Christmas, um, warnings about, you know, get trying to buy early or some of the things, that, you know, the Barbie dolls or the Paw Patrol, like PlayStation 5 might not be available. Um, I, I think more, more families probably just concerned about not having a Christmas last year and this year. It also looks perhaps a bit bleak because of maybe short-term issues of supply and so on. But I think there are there are longer-term concerns. Well, Polly, you said there are you know ordinary families. Are you finding that you know folk you speak to, they, they're just worried. They they are concerned. They're anxious. They maybe don't target it precisely, but they're they're they're, they're not feeling upbeat. But despite no. you know the the up some of their yeah, I, I think they're, the, they're worried you know, because those who were previously furloughed and trying to regain economic sustainability yeah. then have to face higher energy prices and higher food prices um, and those who've lost employment they've got the cut universal credit it's for those families so I think this is actually quite immediate to be honest um, on many families in the coming months but um, in the longer term um, I think that there has to be government action there's got to be some control of energy prices and whether the idea that Morris talks about circular economy is the answer, we need bigger ideas. We cannot go on like this if we try and maintain uh, standards of living for people and not, you know, not spiral deeper into poverty in the even in the short to medium term for many families who rely on uh, affordable housing, affordable housing, uh, energy prices, and affordable food prices. Uh-huh. Well, McLennan, what's what, what's your take on this upbeat? Downbeat, you know, gloomy, optimistic. What, what, what's your take? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, Brian. I think at the moment, I'm probably agree with what, uh, what Pauline and, and Morris is, is, is saying. I think in, in the short term, we've seen statistics out from the ONS which showed employment roughly round about back to, to pre-pandemic levels and. I think Paul mentioned about the Freedom of Alanda report, you know, again, which mentioned about April. So I think in the short term, you know, obviously coming out of the, the pandemic, you know, we're, we're coming from, I suppose, from a, from a low point about where the economic growth was. So, you know, generally, um, was it at this stage? I think there are issues that, that, that are going to face us uh, quite immediately, you know, and, and Pauline mentioned about the risk of inflation. You know, the local government committee just a few weeks ago, we had, uh, we were speaking to homes from Scotland and they were saying some of their costs were up around about 30 to 40 percent. 
and not just costs, but actually getting some of the, the materials uh, to them. So, you know, and, and that, these are issues that I think ultimately yeah. will feed through to inflation. I think that coupled with the cost of living issues that we have in terms of universal credit cuts, fuel costs, and so on. It's going to be a tough few months, I think, as we continue to come out of that. And I think that's something that we all... Right, you're agreeing on the diagnosis, you're agreeing on the, you know, the short-term improvement, you're agreeing on the diagnosis of, of mid-to-long-term mid long term concerns. That. Let's look at some of the cures. Paul McLennan, one, one, you, let's look at two, first of all. Bring anything you like, but let's look at a couple. Let's look at action by the UK government on benefits, and let's look at the impact of Brexit on the economy. Let's start with 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 benefits, Paul McLennan. Presumably, you believe that the 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 uptake in and uh, the, the the increase in in um, the removal of the increase in, in universal credit has been done too quickly. Yeah, and, and I think you know, I think this was agreed across the chamber, apart from obviously Conservatives. And you know, I think the main thing we were talking about is it affects eight thousand families in, in my area, in my constituency alone. It'll affect everybody, everybody's constituency, and and I think you know that that is going to have a, a major impact. We've also had a few energy companies that have also gone uh, bust in, in, in the area in the local. And yet, uh, and yet it was it, it was always meant it was always meant to be temporary. And the prime minister says what you should be doing is relying upon improving wages in you know permanent jobs for, for people in your area and elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I know that the Prime Minister's talked about that and, and, and his uh, conference speak, you know, we talked to try to look at end about a high, what he called the high wage, high skill uh, economy. You know, you know, most people, for example, in universal credit, in my area, are people who, who are worked, who work, you know, so it's impacting them disproportionately. Today's coffee mentioned around about, you know, they just have to work two additional hours. There was additional uh, work carried out in that and it, it would take around about nine hours to, to do that. And it's not just a case of then people going out and trying to find these nine hours work. It's not as simple as that, you know, so... Welfare, welfare benefits are there, you know, obviously to protect the most vulnerable. But there are going to be incentives for them to go out and, uh -huh. and work as well. And, and trying to get to high-skilled and, and high-wage you know, um, high economy, nobody doubts that. That's not going to happen overnight. That's not going to happen uh, overnight. And, you know, that's yeah. something that, you know, I think that it needs to be looked at. Of course, we want to look at productivity. Productivity is an issue in Scotland, and it has been in the UK compared with the rest of Europe. That's something... Thanks. All of us, all politicians. I'll raise productivity in a moment, but that, that, that is a big point because you cannot have. If, if, if companies have to pay higher wages, they, they, they have to see improved productivity. Otherwise, their profit margins will decline and their, their own viability, frankly, will go. But let's stick with benefits for a moment and, and the, the support given to families for low benefits. Pauline McNeil, what's your take on that? So the, there's no doubt in my mind that the extra £20 was withdrawn far too quickly if it should have been withdrawn at all. It must be understood. That families who rely on universal credit, as Paul says, many are working, but many had good jobs before the pandemic. And those jobs, um, just because of fate, were taken away from them. Um, and they may, it's because of the time it's going to take for the economy to recover. So I don't think that those families, uh, individuals, should be penalised. They're people who are prepared to work, lost a job through no fault of their own. Now, if we hadn't had a hike in energy prices or fuel prices or food prices, would it be more justifiable? But I think the government should have, although the government did say from the beginning it was temporary, I think they should have reassessed it in the light of known factors that at least in the short to medium term they should have continued. Well, the, the, the UK government, the Treasury, would say they did extend it. 
but they always made clear that it, it was a temporary matter and they made clear that the economy cannot rely upon that level of subvention. Well, unfortunately, people do, of course, when they've been that. But, but that aside, put that to one side, where we are now in Britain is right. There's, there's nothing that is going coming down in price pretty much that people need to live their lives. Yeah. Energy is going up. We don't even know by how much. Yeah. Fuel prices, if you run a car, public transport prices are going up, not coming down. So I think there could have been a reassessment, at least in the short to medium term, till we see where inflation is going to go, would have been the right thing to do. Okay. But Morris Golden, what do you make of that? On, on that question of benefits, I says, We'll come to productivity. We'll come to Brexit. On that question of benefits, well, I the think support from the support the UK from the UK government over the pandemic to Scotland's fourteen and a half billion pounds, which is a, a colossal sum, and it's also worth noting that just last year the UK government borrowed two hundred and eighty nine billion pounds as well. So there's a, there's an issue with uh, how much the UK government is able and willing to. To, to borrow because all that debt needs to be serviced. But, you know, as the other commentators have said, the universal credit uplift was a temporary measure. But I think there's, uh, given the energy crisis, yes. given the increase in costs, I would urge the UK government to look at enhancing their current schemes to support those on low incomes with energy uh, costs. You know, for example, the uh, winter uh, uh, fuel payments. And I think a measure... Uh, of increasing those would help to alleviate those that are currently suffering from fuel poverty. Yeah, but the, but the, Boris, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't account for families who've had that extra twenty pounds and all those rising costs. They don't qualify. Well, that's, that's why we need to. Well, so that's, that's why we need That's why I'm. I'm urging the UK government to enhance those current schemes and with a very specific right. targeted measure to help those that might be able to receive warm home discount scheme, for example. But it's also worth knowing, Brian, that, you know, the the risk of fuel poverty has been around for, for a very long time. The SNP pledged to eradicate fuel poverty by 2016 and failed to do so. Yeah, OK. But, uh, but let, let Paul McLennan, what, what, what's your take on that? that? There could be some support for... But I mean, folk are really worried about these energy prices because, as Polly McNeil says, they, they don't know where they're going to be going to. They don't, they don't know what the bills are, are going to be. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would agree. Enough, you know, I mentioned that in, in my first day contribution was around about that. It's not just it's also fuel. You know, we've already got in, in constituents coming back and saying that and about there, you know, facing twenty, thirty pounds a month extra, but it, it, already, you know, and, and you know that's likely to increase. And I think you know one thing we've got to remember is you know, energy first and foremost is a reserve, a reserve matter. And, you know, we can't do anything around about the, the tariffs. I think there's 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 things that obviously we can do. The Scottish Shell payment, for example, has been talked around about. I know that's you know, and we actually had to, and. It's, I suppose it's the irony in the cheek of the Tories, you know, on one hand we had a debate in the Parliament another week talking around about trying to double the Scottish child payment while they sit in their hands and, and don't say a word around about universal credit cuts. You know, so, I mean, let, let, let's try and be fair and, and you know, uh, and consistent on, on the matter. You know, I think the, the Scottish government's trying to, to do that. It's also been trying to look at the cost, for example, and this comes back to maybe, you know, some of the poorer families in other years around about the cost of schooling and so on, you know, whether it's free school dinners or, or, or uniforms and so on. So there's been various programmes looked at. But the main thing to come out for me, Brian, is that, of course, energy is reserved. It's now up to the UK government to come forward with proposals. And I know there seems to be a debate, and, and this seems to be with the energy minister in the UK talking around about do we support companies? 
Um, do we support, you know, in, in this regard as well, or do you know, or so should there be more of a, I suppose, an emphasis on, on low-income families right throughout the UK? And I think, yeah, I, I can, I'm not sure whether the UK government wants to go on this yet, and I, and I think there's a bit of a battle going on between uh, Rishi Sunak and, and Boris Johnson on this one around about where are the priority areas. Okay, let, let's, of course, we need to support business. Let's, let's course, bring in the element of Brexit. David Ball, David, sure the, the politicians are, are disputing, it's not entirely down party lines, but there is a dispute as to the impact that Brexit is having upon the economy. I think the Chancellor said it will it will so benefit in the, 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 the medium to long term. Is there any way of assessing where we are on the on the impact it's having right now? Well, yeah, exports say, and trade know, are sort of trade. down and it's very difficult to analyse it in a sort of a COVID world, as it were. Yeah. Um, we're not in normal times, so it's very difficult to compare sort of pre-Brexit and, and where we are now. But obviously the um, there is definitely having an impact if you look at um, the jobs market, the labour market, um, bearing in mind Boris Johnson had to sort of renege on that um, his policy for overseas workers to be able to come. He obviously recognised there yeah. is an issue there and that that is a barrier to that. So there are definitely impacts, but it's very hard to tell the sort of the size of it and if that will sort of iron out as we come out of the pandemic and, and the inflation problems and the economy does get back to a more stable sort of footing. Yeah, because we are in a completely bizarre set of circumstances with this this hideous plague affecting everyone. Paul, Paul Neil, what's your take? Has Brexit made things worse or could it make things better, as appears to be the argument from the... the, the Economically, I, I believe it has made things worse overall. I mean, you can see there's arguments to made that, uh, that we got the vaccine quicker because we weren't tied to European Union. I, I, I mean, talk to, you talk to people who've tried to buy basic electrical goods imported from Germany and yeah. you'll, they'll tell you that... Um, hundreds and hundreds of pounds in tax that they didn't pay before labour market shortages I mean as you see it's hard to say we, we, we face a really complex set of circumstances but it's hard to kind of see through what exactly is causing the supply problems so some of it will be pandemic related but some of it is Brexit related uh, there's no doubt in my mind that I know we'll get to the question of the Northern Ireland Protocol but there's no doubt there's a dimension to this that was not thought of through um, that's impacting on the, the British and the Scottish economy, and that is the add, uh, uh, the trade barriers that now exist for Britain, adding uh, adding um, infl- adding to inflation. So it is it's, it's really not good. Of course, we couldn't when people voted, we couldn't have foreseen that there would have been a pandemic. But I believe if we didn't have Brexit. I do think overall economically we'd have been in a better position to um, a to recover from. The disaster. Paul, what's your take? Yeah, Brian, uh, it would be silly to say that, that COVID hasn't had an impact, but I think if you look at the statistics and, and that, a deep dive into statistics, and for example, the first seven months, you know, Eurostat provided statistics saying that the exports from the UK to the EU fell by 17.1%. 16 a billion pounds. At the same time, and this is a, remember, this is a COVID world, at the same time, the EU increased its exports by 6.2% to the UK, 9 billion pounds. So we've seen the, the trade surplus that the EU has with the UK increase, an increase of that time of 45% just this year alone. And if we're talking around about uh, organisations and other part exports to EU, Russia was up 41%, Norway up 36%, India 33 Turkey 26 South Korea 23, China up 6, Japan 12, and US 5. 
So these countries have all been affected by, by COVID as well. A lot of countries have said, this is Brexit has made a major impact, and the stats back that up, and, and I said it would be silly enough to say that COVID hasn't had an impact. Of course it has. But the stats just announced this year, in the seven months, are backed up. And you know, one of the key things, and I know Morris won't like this, because as soon as you mention Scotland's food and drink and James Withers, all we ever get from the Tory benches is that you know he's an SNP member. Utter nonsense, and that's trying to deflect from the issue. Scotland's food and drink, and we have, and he's loaded in, the first sector-based bid, Business Improvement District, and it's food and drink. I've had various chats with them. They are struggling because they can't get the exports out. And Morris can shake his head. I'm speaking to the constituents in my Morris, area around about that, and it's making a major Morris, impact. Morris, you're, 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 <laughs> Morris, you're accused of shaking your head. And and the, the, uh, uh, the, uh, Paul McGillan reading off the, the script of pre-printed statements. <laughs> no, he was reading off a list. There's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Yeah, he, 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 he wants to get it right. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, but you know, in, in terms of your original question, Brian, uh, in terms of your uh, question, Brian, I mean, I think uh, in in the short term, Paul was recognised that there'd be uh, difficulties. But I think in in the long term, we can make Brexit Brexit a uh, Success. I think that the fact that we've seen the UK government uh, Brian, can I can I make a point there? Can can Morris can, can Morris actually specify what short term and, and, and longer term is? Because we were told I, that the this tirade of, of interrupting. always recognised there were going to be problems in the what, what, I don't remember that. I don't remember that being said by by the, the Leave team in 2016. I just yeah. don't remember that. What was it? The easiest deal ever. The, it was going to be a, a skoosh. It was, what was the, on the side of the lorry, 350 million extra per week that could go to the NHS. I don't remember any any statement whatsoever to the effect of saying it was always going to be, going to be well, tough in the um, short term. I just don't recall That's that. uh, my position and that's why I voted ultimately to remain. And uh, I always recognised there'd be uh, short-term yeah. uh, issues uh, with, I mean, changing uh, uh, entire trade relationships. And it's worth noting that the, you know, the SNP's lead uh, economic advisor says that independence would be Brexit times ten. So uh, you know it's ludicrous to uh, to bemoan Brexit and then support Scottish independence. The two just don't do not correlate. Do you believe, Morris, that Brexit has is is causing problems to the economy right it's now? It's undoubtedly in uh, part of a myriad of issues, not least COVID, that, uh, that it is causing uh, difficulties and changes. But we've seen 70 trade deals agreed by the UK government. And I think as we see more of those, then there'll be more opportunities. And we all need to ensure that Scotland's at the heart of global Britain. Bolly McNeil, there are trade deals coming. It's going to get better. And I never believed it then, and I certainly don't believe it now. It's, it's certainly making it up as they go along, to be honest. I mean, we are where we are. Um, I'm a Remainer. Uh, it, there is no point in justifying a decision which quite clearly in front of our very eyes um, it is clearly causing economic damage. And, I mean, uh, there's other things to discuss. I mean, UK Steel said this week that they think that the government have created a hostile environment and the government are going to have to do a lot better than this to make up for the failures of a Brexit strategy that hasn't given us any alternatives, any real alternatives. 
where we face very severe labour shortages. I mean, I've made umpteen speeches in the last parliament, I'm sure Morris did as well, um, about the need, and I think that was acknowledged by Morris, that we need the government to recognise if we're going to make, if we are going to even try and not make a success of it, but try and make it work, then Scotland has to have a say, have a say in the type of skills that we need in order to not face skill shortages. Um, so there needs to be a lot more listening from the UK government if they actually are serious uh, about making the best of it. Paul, Paul McCann, we'll, we'll do independence another week, of course, but the, 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 the issue was raised that independence, Scottish independence would be 10 times worse than Brexit. What's your response to that? You're shocked. You've shocked. You would, you would expect me not, not to agree with that. And, and I think one key thing, I think, Brian, just to compare, just to compare you're shocked. One thing, just to compare and contrast, you know, we talk end about, you know, one of the key things I think we've had from, you know, from my constituents, particularly food and drink, is not just the, the short-term issues. It, it's the longer-term loss of, of contract. You know, as soon as they, you know, these businesses it can it, it export, the, the businesses overseas will go and try and find other markets, and they've been doing that. So there's a longer-term issue about that. There was a debate just last week, I think, or, or two weeks ago in the Parliament, talking about Scotland's place in the world. And one of the things that came up was around about the Scottish Government opening up new hubs in Copenhagen and in Warsaw to do that very thing, to look at additional markets and building these markets there at the cost of £8 million. £8 million. Just £8 million. And we had Tory MSP after MSP after MSP criticising that. Now, one of the key things I think is really important, it's been a success story in Scotland, is the foreign direct investment that we've had over a number of years. Scotland has outperformed the UK, it's outperformed most of, of uh, the other parts in the UK, you know, out with, out with London. So, you know, the more we can invest in, in, in hubs such as Warsaw and Copenhagen and building the eight that we have, the more opportunities we have to re-establish these markets. Okay, I'm going to, going to move yeah, off the economy MSP. Thanks. I'm going to move off the economy shortly. Moved to Northern Ireland. Ask David Ball to bring us into that. But before we do that, maybe a, a, a line, a word from from each of you. Are, are you upbeat about the let's say the midterm? Because maybe not the short term and the midterm prospects for the economy. Paul, then Pauline, then Morris. Paul first. Pauline McNeil. At this stage, I short term, unless there's any kind of major intervention in the energy supply market, caps on prices or caps on prices, yeah. I have to say I'm, I am deeply concerned for ordinary people right now, and I hope I'm wrong. And people will be thrust into poverty still further. I think there will saying. be more hardship, but there, there, yeah. there are interventions. I mean, there are radical interventions that could change that. I've just got to, I hope that some of these radical ideas, we are really trying to think about them now to prevent this from happening. Okay. Morris Golden, upbeat, optimistic. I think I'm, I'm upbeat with, what, a what uh, with a caveat. And only if Scotland uh, produces uh, an industrial strategy, uh, which is linked to major infrastructure projects that ensure that we can get lots of the high-skilled jobs that we've been talking about into Scotland. Okay. Okay. Let, let, th thanks for that. Let, let's move to to it's it's a it's an economic issue as well. Of course, it's an economic issue, but it's also very much a political issue, as indeed is is pretty well everything. But, but David Ball, the, the the Northern Ireland Protocol, we, we've we've got moves today from the the European Commission going to see Northern Ireland ministers. It, it seems you you have 
suggestions by the UK government that we you know we tear it up and start again with, with the, the, the protocol designed to ease trade on the on the island of Ireland. But then you have you know suggestions from uh, the Commission that they can just sort individuals. Take us through that if you would. Where, well, that's where right. I mean, on, the, the, the protocol, protocol, which is basically the agreement, which was agreed between the UK and the EU um, over the checks to goods um, sort of entering Northern Ireland from Britain. Um, it's back at the centre of another Brexit row. I mean, despite agreeing to the measures, the UK government has decided it's yeah. not happy with pressing ahead with that anymore. Um, I mean, it has been under pressure from mostly unionists in sort of Northern Ireland to rip that deal up. Um, as it essentially puts a customs border down the Irish Sea, which obviously undermines the sort of strength of the union. Um, the EU has proposed sort of hugely scaled back uh, plans, which would cut a lot of the red tape, um, particularly over food products. They wouldn't need these sort of timely and costly physical checks anymore and there's also sort of um, easing pressure on medicines yeah. being able to transfer um, but it's potentially got huge trade implications for um, Scotland and the rest of the, the UK if um, there is a trade war which has been talked about if there isn't an agreement sort um, and it potentially has huge reputation reputational damage for the UK government um, we're just hoping to secure, secure these new trade deals across the world. I mean, the Irish government's deputy leader, Leo Varadkar, yesterday warned other governments not to agree any deal with the UK government until they're confident that um, they will keep their word, essentially. So it, it has got huge implications. OK, um, and, and the, the one element, David, as well, is that, you know, you, you, the, the European Commission are offering on individual things, you know, like cold meat medicines, as, as you said. But they're saying they absolutely will not allow the removal of the European Court of Justice as as the arbiter, and that's something that the UK government says. Yeah, exactly, and uh, it goes back to the the Brexit deal that was done originally. And is there more of a political change towards a sort of an ideological position on that hard Brexit that a lot in the Conservative Party wanted? They wanted to get rid of the, all the ties with the uh -huh. EU. And yeah, I mean, the EU seems to have come on board with getting with easing some of this, but that is something they will not budge on. It looks like. Thanks very much, Morris Golden. You, 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 you're getting a bit of a kicking this week. It's really, it's very unfair. You're not, you're, 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 it's not your blame. It's not your fault. But hey, you're a conservative. Welcome, welcome to politics. You, know, you, you must be. You know, you're Scottish conservative. You must be. And growing up in Dundee as well, Brian. Look, it's perfectly. And exactly, and I don't need that. For goodness sake, you, you know, you, you've known pain. For goodness sake, you've known pain. Also known glory and joy in 1980 and all of that. But uh, Morris, seriously, the. the is the UK government trying to? You know, <laughs> David David Ball there talked about reputational damage. Is, are they are they trying to tear up something that they actually signed and agreed, or or are they trying to just you know remedy it? And well, what they believe is the two UK aspects interest? to this, um, which uh, I would like to see. Uh, firstly, we need to protect the Good Friday Agreement, and secondly, we need the people of Northern Ireland to have broadly the same access to consumables uh, that the rest of the United Kingdom uh, has. And that includes uh, businesses uh, being treated on parity. Now, I welcome that the EU have moved towards that, but I think the UK government position is they want to go further. And I think if, if we could go further, I think that would be uh, a benefit to all. Do you, do you think that the UK, I mean, there's some suggestions, not least from Dominic Cummings and others, that the Prime Minister never really meant it. He just signed up to this to get a to get a get a deal, any deal done, and was proposed to proposing to tear it up or, or ignore it in the in the in the long term. 
uh, medium to long well, term. Do you I, give any I credence give to much that accusation? Credence to Dominic Cummings, uh, but um, uh, it, ah, in in well, terms of uh, this negotiation, I think it, it has to be done. I'm, I was very sceptical about the original Northern Ireland protocol as it's operating currently at the time. But obviously, it's a, a decision for Westminster, not for the Scottish mm-hmm. Parliament. And I, I think it, it genuinely needs to be looked at. But like David was saying earlier, we need to ensure that we maintain uh, Britain's international reputation. Pauline McNeil, you're looking pretty sceptical throughout those comments. Well, um, I'm no fan of Dominic Cummings, but I mean, the, 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 the UK government were warned about the consequences of what is the third or fourth arrangement we eventually signed up to, to, to put a border down the Irish Sea, um, political, huge political consequences, some of the economic ones for the Irish people, the people of Northern Ireland. So I wholeheartedly agree with Boris Gold and we have to, we have to rescue this disastrous political situation. Um, I mean, £850 million been lost by businesses in Northern Ireland already. This should never have been allowed to happen. So I will attend the British Parliamentary Association uh, this coming weekend. We'll hear from the Shock and we'll hear from a number of political uh, Irish leaders. Um, And this will be the sole topic of conversation from Sunday to Monday. Um, That's really interesting. Tell me, what's what's your feeling as to what the... The mood will be pretty sombre, I would guess, at that gathering. Well, the, the mood will be, um, I think, that the, the British-Irish Parliament is probably not, is a forum that is not much talked about, probably pretty much needed because it's the only forum which brings all the Irish and British parties, Scottish parties, together. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the Taoiseach will be speaking, Keir Starmer will be speaking. So I think it'll be quite an interesting platform. There's no doubt that the... Political ramifications probably are top of the agenda, followed very closely by the economic damage and serious concern. Um, I mean, yeah, yesterday you've seen we got unionist parties marching in the street because they feel completely let down by their own alliances. Um, it's it's probably never been so serious. And meanwhile, prior to that, um, I've been a member of this um, assembly for a very long time, where we didn't have Stormont meeting for so long. Um, and Sinn Féin, for example, are more interested in the United Ireland and they're, they're, they see that. So it is so complicated, but so potentially, um, if you believe in, if, you, if you're someone who believes in the United Kingdom, um, I, I know everyone does, it is, playing with, it is playing with fire. This protocol arrangement is absolutely playing with fire. So... I'll bring, it, I'll bring in Paul in a second, but Pauline, just a, 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 a final thought. Do, do, you, do you think, I mean, is this, was, was the, the Northern Ireland Protocol a genuine attempt, you know, a good-hearted attempt to try and resolve a, a dilemma that is created by, by, by Brexit, or, or was it always misplaced in your view? It was always almost a, a conundrum that was really, because we think the first yeah. arrangement, remember, it's yeah. the, the the Northern Ireland would have benefited from being part of the EU arrangements uh, yeah. where Scotland would not. Then the second arrangement basically put a border around the whole of Britain and the whole of Ireland, um, but then that yeah. was unsatisfied. That did not meet the terms of Brexit. I mean, the Republic being a member of the EU attached to the landmass of Northern Ireland, which is part of the United Kingdom, is almost impossible really to see a solution other than 
as yeah. someone from the DUP actually suggested that the answer was for the Republic to leave the EU. I mean, this is the mental argument, um, absolutely crazy arguments that had been going on for the last few years. We have to sort it in the interests uh, of the UK, the interests of the people of Northern Ireland, and in the interests of people of the Republic. Um, this is an economically and politically damaging, and like Morris said at the very beginning, is really seriously undermining the, the, the Good Friday Agreement. Um, it's that serious. Well, Bolly, thanks. Paul McLennan, what's, what's your take on this? I, I think the, the points that Morris and Pauline made, the, the most important thing this is about is preserving the Good Friday Agreement. And, we had a unique position, you know, unionist politics in Northern Ireland is, is you know, it's famously split, you know, and, 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 you know, you've seen the four main unionist parties now come together and, and you know, at, at some stage they're talking about possibly withdrawing from, from Stormont, you know, and that's going to create real issues and, and I think, you know, create issues in about the Good Friday Agreement and we've heard that, you know, concerns from obviously from the EU and obviously uh, President Biden also. I think Paul, Pauline also mentioned the point around about protecting the economic interests of both Northern Ireland and the Republic, and ultimately out with that within the, the EU. So these are the most important things. And but I, I think one of the, the, the ironies again coming from this yeah. is, it, you know, when this was agreed, yeah. it was Lord Frost that came out and and lauded the, the deal, the protocol. This is the same Lord Frost now that's coming out and criticising the protocol that was signed. And the key thing I think for me is that Boris Johnson isn't seen as a Prime Minister who's got a great grasp of detail in any policy issue, and I think, a good point, I think that was just to get this over the line, um, you know, and move on as soon as possible. Now we're beginning to see the issues, and it's part of the unraveling of Brexit, you know, the protocol, um, you know, as part of this, it was promises they know they could well, be... Well, I'll raise it before, before, before Mark Frost does, but, 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 but it, would there be a comparable yeah, difficulty and a comparable challenge if Scotland to. were to be independent and we had to have a Scotland protocol, and because if Scotland was seeking to rejoin the EU, would there not be a comparable problem with the border with England? I think if there's a border of England, obviously we need to be discussing about obviously whether Scotland decided to go back into the EU, and obviously the SNP part of policy is to do that. In terms of the, the protocol in terms of the Good Friday Agreement, I think that's that that would be one major interest. You know, of course, I'm not, I'm not you know going to come in here be nine if there certainly be discussions obviously with the UK government, but obviously you know it's in both Scotland's interests and in the, the EU interests and and in uh, the rest of the UK interests to make sure that you know there's there's, there's favourable trading standard uh, status that's that's put there. But we don't have we don't have issues around the Good Friday Agreement because a lot of the protocol discussions, as you remember. Morris, I, I, I was cheeky enough to say so, I was speaking yeah, for you. I'll give you the prospect of um, Scottish independence and the, the difficulties that that could cause uh, you know, really does put a shiver down my spine and, and it should do for everyone in Scotland. But uh, in terms of the Northern Ireland Protocol, I would encourage the UK government to act in good faith and the EU to do likewise and let's work together to ensure a better outcome for the people in, in Northern Ireland and indeed we're affected the Republic and the rest of the UK. Do, do you think the UK government was perhaps not acting fully in good faith in the past? Were they perhaps so desperate to get a, a trade deal with the European Union that they 
that they signed up or they, they encouraged signing up to the Northern Ireland. I don't know, Brian. Um, I wasn't part of the discussions, but as I said earlier, at the time I was deeply sceptical about the Northern Ireland protocol. And I think if, if they did make a mistake, which uh, I thought they did at the time, then it's their duty as a UK government to try and rectify that. And I think that's what we're seeing now, to be honest. David Ball, where, where are we going next on this? There's talks today between the European Commission and ministers in Northern Ireland. Presumably this needs to bring in the UK and the Republic as well, and, and indeed the British Irish Parliamentary Association and other. Uh... Yes, please, Paul, please, please, please. Brian, sorry, can I come back just on a point that, that, that Morris made if that was... And just on the, you know, obviously said around about prospects and independence. There's a couple of examples in the last number of years, for example, about countries splitting. And I mentioned this in the speech just the other week. You know, we looked at, for example, Estonia looking about getting its independence. Its economy from, in 1991 increased fivefold. And, and something even more closer to home and probably very comparable is we say, the, the velvet divorce from the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Slovakia has seen its economy grow 60% in the first 10 years after independence. So there's examples of countries who have full economic levers that Scotland would have that don't have at the moment about growing their economy. So... You know, if we're talking about that, you know, I'm not naive to say there be issues, but in terms of potential that Scotland has, Norway and Denmark have GDP... I think we should be focusing on COVID recovery rather than another past. independent... So I look forward to that debate. And even who we support... I've talked to many people who support our independent supporters who do not think this is the time to be debating it. It's quite interesting. Yeah, he said he was only making an interim point. We've only got a few minutes left, but a reasonable point and a reasonably argument and all that sort of stuff, well made, well put. David Ball, let's stick with Northern Ireland Protocol. Where's this going next? We have talks with Northern Ireland ministers. Where do you see the settlement emerging? Well, it's all going to come down to those red lines. Both sides have them, clearly, and we've been here before and we've we have got to resolution, but it's it's whether that trust has gone a little bit and whether the EU does take what the UK government is proposing, will it stick to it again? Um, also, it depends how much Boris Johnson wants to rock the boat with the um, international community. In just two or three weeks' time, he's going to need that cooperation when he hosts COP26. He's going to need the international community oh, on his side, yeah. not just in the EU, but Joe Biden obviously has a big interest in the Northern Irish Protocol. Um, and it's how much he's going to want to upset and go into these crucial talks with um, an international Rami on his hands. Yeah. One, one, one or two have said to me, though, that it could be politically advantageous to, to the prime minister within the Conservative Party if he's seen yeah, standing I mean, tough against Yeah, I mean, always seems to be the problem with Brexit, isn't it? It's trying to keep so many different par- parts of the Conservative Party and in other countries happy. Yeah. <clears throat> where um, Boris Johnson's yeah. priorities lie, really. If he's on a footing for another general election coming up in what a couple of years' time, we don't really know when, he's going to be starting getting pressure from his activists if he's not following through on what a lot of the um, Leave campaign were expecting. Okay. Well, we're almost out of time. But final thoughts, perhaps, Pauline, then Morris, then, then Paul McLennan. Where, where's, where's, I know we want a solution, but where, where is a solution to be found, Pauline McNeil, do you believe? I think it's difficult. Um see where a solution can be found but but absolutely must be found yeah. i think the principle um the principle thing morris said it earlier it has to be that no part of the uk is disadvantaged and i would say not just northern ireland or, 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 or scotland too 
we, the, the protocol has not should not put anyone part of the UK in a disadvantage nor an advantage, um, because that would also be equally disastrous for Scotland. So I don't think that's an easy solution to find. But there must be. No, they, Morris Johnson, and it's been said by many, if he if he can position himself in a way that he thinks is beneficial. But if he's not careful, he will be the reason why people start losing faith, those who do support the idea of the union. So I think there is a very delicate balance to be struck. There very must good. be a solution. Interesting point. Almost out of time. Morris Golden and then Paul McLennan, final thoughts. Uh, I on, mean, on where I'm you heartened see this going. that there movement already around medicines and specific items. Uh, so that's a, that's a trajectory we want to see. I, and I hope that in a professional manner, uh, with regards to our international reputation, we can we can expand that out for all consumers and businesses in Northern Ireland. So maybe the, maybe the PM just banks banks that and you know parks the, the 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 wider ideological debate for another time. Perhaps because, as David says, he needs some, some international goodwill. Okay, Paul McLennan, very briefly, what's your your take on where this is heading? Yeah, I don't think this is going to be an easy solution. And again, with what Morris is saying again, I think there'll be some movement around about the ages. I think that will move it together. We, we have Thanks to, get a to we have all. To it's the Irish question sure after all. It isn't easy. It goes back to Gladstone and way, 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 way beyond that. And it's never been an easy one. Morris, Paul, Pauline, thank you very much. David Ball, uh, Herald colleague, thank you very, very much indeed. Thanks to you for watching, listening, or whatever one does to a podcast. From Brian Taylor, Toodle this podcast was brought to you by The Herald. Take 20% off an annual subscription to The Herald with our exclusive podcast code. Just add Herald Pod 2021 to your basket and get instant unfiltered access to our website. And you can also get involved with the Brian Taylor podcast as well. Tune in on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube every Thursday afternoon to catch Brian and his panel chat live and ask your questions to the people across the political scene. 